You're listening to the Painted Goddess podcast with Jennifer Hrishu. This is episode number 73. Well, hello, witches. It's Wednesday, or it may be another day when you listen to this, but this podcast comes to you every Wednesday. My name's Jennifer. I'm the host of this beautiful, <laughs> beautiful mess of a podcast that is as witchy as I am, which is, which is, how many times can I say witches? New game. Every time I say witches, um, you have to smash the patriarchy. Um, this episode is all about waning moon magic and the fall of the patriarchy. I am super into this. I'm into the fall of the patriarchy I am super excited to be here today and talk to you about what it is to do waning magic, um, waning moon magic. I think that it's overlooked very often. Um, you know, people really focus and, and, you know, I'm uh, guilty of this myself, really focusing on the new moon and the full moon and these punctuation marks in the moon cycle. But as I've been, you know, traveling with the moon, very uh, focused, very mindful of the moon cycles for at least um, five straight years, like full, like really full on. Um, but even before that, really um, just noticing the moon, of course, and really feeling connected to her and the cycles, but really looking at how this uh, time of the cycle, the waning moon can be used in your magic. So um, welcome. And I hope you stick around to listen. Of course, we always do a little bit of cosmic weather and a little housekeeping before we begin. And today I'm going to light my candle and I'm going to burn a bit of herb and I'm just going to really call in you know, we, we are getting towards Samhain. It's the dark time of the year in the Northern Hemisphere. The veil is getting thin again. And I say again because this happens every equinox-ish time towards, there's a midpoint, right? Um, between the equinox and the solstices and where the veil is really really thin and we say this because you know that time when there's equal day and night and then we tip to the darkness or towards the light we're very cognizant you know this morning um none of us in the household woke up on time it's really dark now in the morning we haven't quite had daylight savings time which is kind of like a whole situation um that you may or may not um, enjoy. Um, I, I do prefer the fall back. Usually I saw a meme that said, let's all, you know, boycott the fall back since I don't need any more hours of 2020. But, um, you know, these things kind of help us, I think in the morning. Um, so I just want to call in protection and safety for everyone continued prosperity and, support through these really shadowy times, these dark times as they begin to become really dark in the Northern Hemisphere, like I said. Um, and though, and then for those of you on the Southern Hemisphere, oh, you know, hooray, you guys get a little more light. 
Um, the pandemic has really been your whole winter and fall. And so now you're going to tip towards spring and summer. And I really hope that that brings some good um, vibes your way so that you can kind of see the light again if you've been having a hard time with all this darkness. And, you know, again, these protections that we need to call in are um, personal upkeep for everyone. I hope that you're doing um, your own protection uh, magic as well. And the moon can help you with that. This time of year, I definitely spruce up my ancestor altars. I, you know, my grandmother um, on my mother's side passed away this time of year. So, and I know many of us have lost dear ones this time of year because it is the time of year when many people do pass away. They transition. It's no mistake that the Scorpio, uh, time of year is kind of encapsulated with transformation it's ruled by Pluto and we'll talk about that in probably next podcast specifically Scorpio season um actually that's two weeks from now when we when we shift into you know but right now we're still in Libra season we're still looking for balance and harmony and that ruler Venus is trying to teach us to love and to hold space and compassion for our relationships. So, you know, it's a good time to check in with that. Our relationships with our boundaries are really, really hot right now because of all of the planets that are moving through Capricorn. Capricorn is the traditional structure, the 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 political aspect, the government aspect, the authority aspect the rules and regulations, the law and order. And so with all of these planets um, having been retrograde a lot of this year, um, the basically the bulk middle of it, you know, we really have had to, um, you know, take a look at and be confronted by the shadow, um, being confronted by the way that we kind of give our power away to authority even if it doesn't serve us, even if it actually only holds the illusion of being protective, but it's actually kind of sucking our will to live and creating containers that we don't want to be caged in, right? And this is, of course, why this week I really want to talk about the fall of the patriarchy, because not only do I want to really coin, or not coin, because that term has been around, um, but really... Um, invoke that as a spell the fall of the patriarchy is coming it's in its like gr last grasps and even four years ago when um the current habit inhabitant of the white house took to office and i won't say power because i never gave him any by the way and i i well not never it was it's been a power struggle right how much attention I pay, how much power I allow him to have over my ability to believe in reality that I see, I live, and many of the people that I know live, right? He clearly lives in another reality. And with Pluto having just gone direct over the weekend, Saturn went direct on the 29th of September and you know Jupiter went direct just before that like on the 12th I believe of September so we've got all the planets in Capricorn now moving forward forward motion stationed direct and again you know they're moving towards 
um, a grand conjunction, you know, Jupiter and Saturn will conjunct at zero degrees Aquarius on the 21st. Um, they, it actually conjuncts for about four days in December, but the apex of it, like the height of it, the intensity of it, I think will focus around the 21st, which is also the winter solstice in the US. I've talked about this a lot. I just really want you to mark your calendars. I want you to understand that 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 day will be a huge day of power and I don't want you to miss harnessing some of that and calling it in um, that you're you're present and mindful and really aware of what power you have at your disposal so that once someone throws you the ball, right, that you're standing tall and firm in your selfhood in your own power and are able to claim what is yours um, by your sovereign right of being born on this planet at this time with your abilities and your um, capabilities. So now is the time to really dig in. You know, we still have, of course, many planets in retrograde. So while all the planets that are in Capricorn are going direct, Pluto, Jupiter, Saturn going direct, we've got Mars and Chiron retrograding in Aries. Mars will retrograde through the end of the year, and so will Chiron. And then we've also got Uranus still in retrograde. Uranus is in retrograde in Taurus. Now, Taurus is experiencing, a. I mean, Uranus really transits very slow through any sign. So this is taking a while. It's still only like, because it's retrograding now too, it's still only like at like four degrees Taurus. So there's definitely a long epoch of time where, you know, our money structures is basically going to be like uniquely changed by everything. And we've been seeing this already as we've been creating new financial structures, kind of questioning late stage capitalism and what that really means for us. What does it mean to be productive with no end in sight, right? What does it mean to be endlessly exponentially growing, right? <laughs> This is some of the ways that Jupiter wants us to grow, but it's ignoring the Saturn, right? Which is why Saturn and Jupiter must conjunct in Aquarius to show us what it means to actually hold back on growth and have this balance between growth and constraint, power over ourselves, the potentiality of growth in our own hands, in our hearts, so that we're not actually trying to negotiate our power with other people, which is something that Brené Brown taught me the language for. It's like we really do uh, grow up learning to negotiate our power away from others rather than just simply resting in the fact that we have it. It's the biggest lie that we were told and, you know, that we could hurt somebody's feelings or that somebody could hurt us or make us feel a certain way and not recognize the process of us giving away not just our power, but our sense of peace to those who don't have even a slightest incline uh, or inclination of what we're going through, who we are, who we were yesterday, right? There's so many people who are not invested in our well-being that we kind of give um, our power away because we want them to like us and we want them to appreciate us and value us. And you just can't negotiate value or power for yourself from others. That happens inside. That's an inside job. And so these retrograde planets have been asking us to recognize that we have to build a new foundation for our, for our own values and our well-being and our um, self-governing authority. 
I have authority over myself. And of course, then that means that we have to construct or confront the external structures that hold us to a collective standard that does not serve everyone. So this is why Pluto is doing its work in Capricorn and it will stay in Capricorn um, a few more years as it returns to the natal placement where the U.S. had Pluto in its natal chart. And, <laughs> whew, you know, are you guys feeling this, right? We are in revolutionary times. It's seriously happening. And I would not have, you know, of course, as an astrologer, I look at these, and I'm like, wow, that's going to be intense. And until these things kind of come to fruition, I could have never imagined that we would be in a pandemic that had slowed the economy down enough to imagine that we didn't have to be as productive as we used to be in order to thrive and to support each other through collective care. What does that look like? Right. We're reexamining the butcher, the baker, the candlestick maker of smaller um, micro business that supports community and, and supports the economy in an actual real way rather than what it means to be the, you know, too big to fail. These, these fucking too big to fail companies who really don't have um, any investments made in the, in the community. There's no room for them anymore. So unless they begin to make investments in micro business structures into communities in a real way, then we cannot continue um, to grow with them, right? And this is why many of these larger companies, it's like you have to shift. You have to shift. And we're bringing that to account, I hope. And it will, it will, it will no longer be um, possible. So I want to, you know, as I call in those protections, I call on the ancestors who built these structures in good faith that, you know, capitalism would create abundance and prosperity for their families. They did this with that in mind. However, it created a lot of colonist countries now, recognizing that we are all on occupied land. So many of us on occupied land, even if we are not like creating those structures, we are upholding them. We have to chill, you know, figure out what that means, right? We need to start to redistribute the power, right? So when people talk about socialism being so scary, to me, it's not necessarily even about the money, redistribution of wealth, redistribution of assets. What does it mean to not have those assets be held privately anymore, but but to redistribute them to the community, you know, community chest, right? What was that community chest in Monopoly, right? It was like the best. When you landed on that, it was always like, woohoo, right? At least for me, it was. <laughs> I think I was playing a different game when I played Monopoly. But anyways. Okay. So here, here we are. All these things happening. Uranus this week makes a few very poignant aspects, right? So Uranus is retrograde in Taurus, if you remember. It's making um, an opposition to Mercury in Scorpio right as it's about to go retrograde next week on Tuesday the 13th, right? We'll talk about that next week. We'll really break it down. But Mercury is going to oppose um, Uranus this week. And that opposition is asking us to really get our minds straight 
about what we value, uniquely value in our own communities? What is it to really value wherever you live? What is, what is your community currency? What is the currency of your community? What is the abundant, what do you have in abundance in your community? Right? Because Taurus wants to know what makes people comfortable and what, what really gives and what nurtures and what loves. And, and Uranus is that kind of surprise factor, that unique quality. So we're really asking, like, what makes you uniquely capable to show up into the future, into this new Aquarian age as where I live, Pacific Washington, right? Like, what is that about our community that really stands, that will stand the test of time as we restructure everything to suit the highest good of the community and collective care rather than several several individuals who then decide what everybody's priorities are right so mercury wants us to to look at that wants us to communicate what is it that we value so start to have those conversations randomly maybe in the grocery store lines see if you can really strike up just kind of um benevolent like you know not those not those kinds of like pick at the scab conversations that we've all been having on Facebook but these conversations that really catch people by surprise right like what really lights you up what really excites you about our community you know what do you what would you say to somebody who was to visit here what are we about do we have a we statement at all is there anything collectively that we stand for together can we come together and some of us I know live in very different um, areas than we you know we don't really align our values with the places that we live always um, and so that can be really really difficult to find your people in your own community um, and yet you might be surprised maybe you're surprised what you'd find or the connections that you'd find maybe not maybe you already know um but Mercury is going to ask us to kind of take a look at that before it starts stationing retrograde next week. So do that work. Think about that. Venus in Virgo is also making a trine um, to, to Uranus in Scorpio. So um, that's not true. Oh, Uranus and Taurus. I'm like, why? I was like, Virgo? Venus and Virgo cannot trine. So it's always, when we're talking about trines, we're talking about elements, right? So there's three of each sign for each element. So in the water element, um, there's three for the earth element, three, fire, air, all three signs in each element, right? So when we talk about trines, that's saying that that's in the same element. And Venus is approaching that degree where Uranus is in Taurus. It just entered um, Virgo last week. And so Venus is somewhere around five or so degrees Taurus, or I mean uh, Virgo, rather. Venus is in Virgo and Uranus is in Taurus. And so we've got this trine happening. And, you know, Ven Virgo wants to be of service, right? <clears throat> so when we have this Uranus um, opposition to Mercury, which rules Virgo, and then we've got Venus in Virgo, and they're both making aspects to Uranus, right? There's an opposition, and there's a trine. And this is really, you know, 
Virgo wants to kind of sweeten that deal of like, not only what is it in your community that you can kind of stand for together that's uniquely what do you see um, in your community and what you guys stand for or what you people stand for. But what is it that you want to even be of service to in your community? How can you lend a hand to the greater community maybe? Or how can you lend hands within your community? Because Venus and Virgo wants to love and be of service and, and stand for love above all else and create, you know, harmony and um, self-love and self-worth. It wants to remind um, through service that, that you matter. That it matters that you show up, that it matters that you exist, that it matters that you care, right? Everything sets the tone. So Virgo really is very particular about the tone, right? They're they're very tone policey, right? And they are the first to notice to, to notice somebody's tone of voice when speaking, especially. And um, if you know any Virgos, um, and I've never done this, so I don't know what anybody's talking. <laughs> but I'm a Virgo son. I am con like my husband has a very like kind of um, monotone way of responding to things. And I'm constantly trying to read into his tone of speech because um, he's not very expressive in that way. And for me, I'm just like very dramatic. You can tell in my voice. You can tell when I'm excited. You can tell when I'm upset. You can tell when I'm like busy. Right. Because I kind of say things quickly and dismissive. So, so I'm, you know, so Virgo is that sign of like, and again, ruled by Mercury, that communication piece, they're really looking for the tell in that communication and even maybe body language, right? Looking at what are you telling me through your actions of service within the community, what you really care about, right? When I say, no, I'm not interested in going and doing that thing with you, but I'd love to spend time with you in this way. I'm showing you I care for you, but I'm also holding the boundary of saying like, I don't give two shits about going to whatever thing that you need to do, <laughs> right? And and of course, if, if you have that Virgo friend who says no, then and you say, look, I really would love someone like you on by my side to go through this, then you better be fucking, you know, sure as shit that they're going to show up with bells on, with snacks in their purse and, um, you know, crystals in their bra and show up for you. Right. Because above all else, especially in these times, um, we have to communicate what we need and why we need it so that we can be honest about what kind of relationships we want in this world. Right. So if there's somebody who, again, Venus rules relationships that house that seventh house. So, you know, Venus having being in Virgo aspecting Uranus, it's like, have you had a unique relationship that you really haven't put a pin down and said, you know, like we really are really close. We're kindred or we've really outgrown each other. Right? It's kind of unexpected. We thought we'd be together forever, whether as friends or lovers or something else. Right. You know, really looking at how that can kind of come through this week is going to be interesting. There's also, of course, all that shit happening in Capricorn and um, and Aries, which are both cardinal signs. So and Libra has some some stuff going on, too. So we've got the sun in Libra that's square to the stellium in Capricorn. 
um, as we get closer to Scorpio season. And as it closes in on that square to Capricorn, those Pluto, Jupiter, Saturn, about 20 degrees Capricorn, everything's going to start getting more intense because guess what else is there? Over across in Aries, we've got Chiron retrograding in the beginning um, places of you know the like i think 10 degrees or it's like seven degrees i think aries but we have mars retrograding at like 26 degrees aries so those aspects are going to start squaring off and it's going to get heated it's going to get heated <laughs> right before scorpio season ends of course it's an election year in the u.s so you know we're fucked if it comes to this aspect being the most dominant force and of course cardinal t-squares cardinal t's you cannot ignore them you know i've been starting to see people say like i will no longer speak to fascists i will no longer speak to racist people if you're going to speak to me about racist ideologies or uphold racist ideologies in your life by ignoring your white privilege, ignoring the patriarchy, ignoring colonialism, ignoring the uh, indigenous occupied land that we are building structures on and impacting through our policy, then I do not want to discuss that with you. If you can't see that truth and you act like it doesn't matter and you insist that your reality is more important than anything else that exists, including uh, the future generations who will rely on all of these resources just as we do, then I don't want to have a discussion with you. I'm not the, I'm not, I'm not for you. Right. And yet, and yet this Venus in Virgo kind of a, you know, cause Venus in Virgo wants everybody to just get along and serve each other and recognize that when you give, you receive, it's a fucking exchange. It's a divine exchange. 100%. So all of that happening, all of that happening this week, you guys. So stay, stay sane, protect yourself with magic, put a billion crystals in your bra and your panties, steam your yoni, <laughs> masturbate, and, uh, you know, pour salt around the perimeters of your house because shit's going to get real and you're going to need to know where you stand and what you do to support yourself and those you love through this time. Love yourself through this time. All right. On the other side of the um, little break here, breaky break, I'm going to talk about waning moon magic. So come on back. Hey, hey, so do you want to work with me? Do you want to get to the bottom of all of this stuff? Do you want to do a reading? Do you want to get into the Astrologic Lab? Are you interested in working at a whole new level? I have some things that I have released recently, and I really want to make sure you know about them. Number one, I've opened my October books. I'm doing three three card natal chart readings. It's called my Astro Tarot Readings. I do these for 88 bucks if you're a new client. Once you are a client of mine, you always get a discount. And so the readings for return clients are 77. I give you about an hour of my time from building an altar, 
just for you pulling the cards reading your chart I send it all in a recording and some beautiful photos for you to digest and do the work so I do my work then you do your work so no need to make appointments um, sync up our schedules anything like that my readings are powerful and I've been told so many times that they have helped people to understand why they're going through what they're going through, support themselves during these times and to help them kind of solidify what next steps to take. I love this work. I'm so excited for it. And I, I will continue to do it, even though in a lot of ways I've been focusing on the Astrologic Lab, which is another way that you can work with me. If you want to actually learn how to decode your natal chart month by month, learn astrology, learn how the sun moves through the signs, the moon moves through the signs, and how you can actually use your natal chart as a harvesting map for year after year after year, come to the lab. The Astrologic Lab is the place. I give you tools and uh, worksheets galore. And every month around the full moon time, I drop another basket of content in your lap and you get to do the work. I also lead live classes at least once a month, if not more. Um, there's been so much astrology. I've done at least two or three each month. And um, I've been doing this program since March-ish. Um, I'm sorry, May. <laughs> so it's been really awesome. We've got a lot of really awesome people in the lab who are super astrologically nerded out. Um, and they have lots to share as well. So as they start to share what they're learning or what they know and have researched on their own, we call us um, all rabbit hole investigators because we just go down the rabbit hole as much as possible then you are learning from them as well. It's a super cool collective and I highly recommend it. It's only 37 bucks a month. And so for the cost of four lattes a month, you can come and hang out with the coolest people I know. Um, all right. The other thing that I'm offering again, like from what I said before, I began to consider as I opened the lab one-on-one -on -one work and what that would look like. So if you're in the lab, you get a deal, 222 for three one-hour sessions. I'm calling them lunar harvest sessions. We basically take your lead, what you wanna learn, what you wanna work on, and I help create and craft a place within the cycles for you to do that work. And we do some meditation, we do some heart work, we do some healing work during the sessions based on astrology, based on meditation. And based on some of the old, my, you know, the witchcraft that I've done to help heal myself through astrology, um, even though that work is never done, pro tip. Um, and for people who are not in the lab, if you want to try this work out, you will pay more. You'll pay $3.33 for the three sessions. Still a great deal. And you'll get access to the lab for three months while we're working together. So it's a really great introduction to the lab if you intended to um, begin that work anyways. Started off with coaching. I have one spot for that left for the end of this year. And then those books will open up again in January for new clients. I hope that it's you. So get in touch. My email is jennifer at paintedgoddess.com and or you can go to paintedgoddess.com and click on the astrologic uh, learn astrology link 
and find out there. I'm also on Instagram the most at Painted Goddess. You can DM me if you like. Um, follow me there and all of the things. Uh, welcome back, witches. So waning moon cycle magic. Okay. Moon magic in and of itself is probably the most powerful tool we have as witches to time our spells, to time our work. Even without astrology, even if you did not know which sign the moon is in, knowing what phase the moon is in is very, very powerful. Now, there's always more depth and more um, more specificity you can go into when it comes to astrology. You can always drill down, right? But taking the bigger gaze at it and saying we are in a waning moon cycle, which means that the full moon has already happened this cycle and we're working towards the new moon, which is when um, right after and the dark moon, right? So we move into the dark moon. We can't see the moon at all in the sky. And then we when the moon is new, when there's just this sliver, this tiny silver sliver in the sky, that's what's considered the new moon. So as we work towards the dark moon and the new moon of a new cycle, this is the time to do all of the dissolving work, the banishing work. It's really about release. Now, it's often said that full moon is about release. You do your new moon intention and you do your full moon release. But that's a very simplified kind of um, execution of moon magic. There's much more nuance that can be used. And of course, you can, you know, get yourself all worked up over very specific timelines and, and split it into, you know, varying pieces, right? In fact, in the lab, we look at the natal chart as a house system and we look at if, if you're at this level and you have chosen that as a focus, by the way, um, which is some of the work I'm doing, you can see which house the moon, the moon is moving through because the moon moves through your entire natal chart all around the wheel of the zodiac every lunar cycle okay and i don't say every month because it happens every 29 and a half days or so and so it's definitely not the gregorian calendar month that we're so accustomed to so over the last four or five years i've really recognize the lunar months rather than of course i'm using the gregorian calendar because this is what everyone's agreed on right this is our shared reality in the u.s especially but i'm really on a lunar cycle so when i say new month i often like think of new moon time and it confuses myself sometimes and others when i'm trying to plan stuff so i some that's why i have <laughs> that's why i have my planner and i look at the date and all of that um and tell people dates rather than like oh second week of the month it's like that does not translate as well for me anymore just because i'm kind of down the rabbit hole regarding moon cycle work but Suffice it to say that every waning moon time is this really great time to dissolve the things, you know, I mean, dissolving feels very passive, right? It's a very kind of allowing, it's a surrendering, it's, it's adding water to something solid and allowing it to dissipate, right? That's what dissolving kind of means or, 
or even in the case of like, you know, I'm thinking as, you know, I look over the grass in my lawn and the mushrooms are starting to form. It's like, you know, what is, what is eaten by the, the living things that are replacing what it is that you're dissolving, right? Like there's always this dissolving and creating at the same time, which is a very interesting way to look at the waning cycle because when we dissolve things, when we say at the full moon, okay, I'm finished with this. I'm going to burn it in the fire. I write it down. I burn it in the fire. Maybe I bury the ashes. Maybe I dissolve the ashes in water, um, which is really a beautiful way to kind of finish the work. Um, and I'll talk about that in a bit. Um, but when we, when we dissolve, it's more of a surrendering, right? It's an allowing something to go. It's an allowance because really we do choose to hold on to things even past their prime, right? Past their life cycle within our lives. We, we often hold on to them for many reasons, mostly because of comfort, a lot of Capricorn, Saturn reasons. Um, and so we hold on to things that aren't, aren't doing, you know, that aren't thriving in our, <clears throat> you know, we're not really producing food for it anymore, right? So it's kind of emaciated and diseased, right? But it's still with us. And so it can tend to cause toxic relationships. Um, it can cause um, kind of the toxicity load of our lives to, to really um, become imbalanced. This time of year is a perfect time to look at that balance. We started this moon cycle actually with a new moon in Virgo on the 17th of October. And this new moon was in, you know, the sign of Virgo, which is a mutable earth sign. It's the sign of changing, um, manifesting, transitioning. And it's, it's like when the leaves fall, what happens when it dissipates? What happens when things stop getting fed, right? Winter is coming. <laughs> so what are the trees doing? The deciduous trees, you know, they let their leaves fall so that they don't have to keep producing sugars and proteins and sending it um, out. So they're not because they're not going to be flowering and blooming, right? So they're sending their sap down to their roots so that they can keep warm during the winter and stay alive. They're conserving energy, right? This is what this is why we as witches and herb crafters will harvest root medicines at this time of year because they're the most potent during this time of year because it's the the plant is literally getting ready to go into some sort of hibernation for the winter time so it's sending all of its energy down to their roots um right it's not photosynthesizing the sun anymore so the the leaves die because that's what its job is is to breathe and to photosynthesize and to to create growth so it goes into that kind of like downtime phase and this is very much the waning phase in general of every moon cycle so it's like we stop trying to feed um energy into something and we start to allow what is no longer going to grow to die and so we started this moon cycle, like I said, in Virgo, which is a mutable sign, but the rest of the sign is really cardinal in nature. And we're working towards, we had the full moon in Aries, right? So we had a new moon in Virgo. It waxed through Libra. It waxed through Scorpio. It waxed through Sagittarius. It waxed through uh, a 
um, Capricorn, it waxed through Aquarius and Pisces, and it was new at nine degrees Aries, or full, I'm sorry. So it waxed all the way from Virgo to Aries and was full there. Aries is the first cardinal sign. So we had that full moon in Aries, which we do every year around this time of year. Um, and, you know, the full moon in Aries is creation, new beginnings, right? So what is it that it takes to do that? Of course, my train is coming, so I'm going to pause. <clears throat> so there's my train. There it goes. So the full moon in Aries creation, it's about new beginnings. And what does new beginnings mean when it's a full moon, right? It's this realization of how we focus, how we create, how we initiate that push that it takes to push something into manifestation, which is what the new moon in Virgo was asking of us in a lot of ways. So it's really powerful that we had the new moon in Virgo before the full moon in Aries, um, whereas it's it's very often, you know, we'll have a new moon in Virgo and then a full moon in Pisces, right? Um, so, which is possible, right? We're going to have them on the opposite sides of the wheel. So it'll oscillate some years. We had two new moons in Cancer, which shifted the moon cycles, right? So now we're having a new moon um, in in a sign that is not directly opposite of that full moon. And so we're having the full moon in Aries and then we're having the new moon in Libra, which is that that opposite sign across the wheel, right? So the new moon in Libra is going to bring in balance and justice. So the full moon in Aries really wants, you know, to kind of, as it's dissolving, wants us to really recognize, of course, with all the other astrology I, I mentioned earlier on in the podcast, how are we giving our power away? What is it that we need to do to take it back? What new beginnings can we create and push forward like warriors with this full moon in Aries so that when the new moon in Libra comes, we've dissolved what's needing to be dissolved so that we can actually bring balance and peace and harmony and justice into the world. So naturally, I thought of the waning moon magic and the fall of the patriarchy kind of being twinsies this month and the trappings of, you know, the white supremacist patriarchy always equals oppression for everyone. No one escapes the oppression of this system because oppressive systems in their nature have to oppress everyone. And if you think that white males are not oppressed, then you haven't been paying attention fully either. Yes, we are focusing on black lives, especially indigenous lives, um, you know, uh, black and indigenous people of color, women of color specifically, because they are at the intersection of all these different systemic oppression um, levers that are, are basically working all in, in, in concert um, and very elusive too, right? Especially when there's people who are deciding on purpose to ignore 
the history of how these structures came to um, hold power over people. Even so much as like recently on TikTok, and this is, you know, something you may not attribute to, um, you know, being on this realm, but absolutely a, uh, there's two things, by the way. On the one hand, we have instances of egregious hysterectomies being enacted upon um, uh, women, uh, immigrant women in these detention centers basically these concentration camps that they're holding immigrants in as criminals, they're enacting way more than you should. Um, placing women that are um, vulnerable for so many reasons. And, you know, I'm just deep breath, you know, and they, they have been giving them hysterectomies. If you're not familiar with this atrociousness, look it up. Um, immigration uh, detention centers, hysterectomy, Google that. It will bring up the, the articles and where they're talking about this. Now, um, and on the other hand, I recently, just last night, I think, saw a TikTok where there was a woman who was sobbing. She was very emotional, white woman. And she looks into the camera and she's like, I just got approved for my hysterectomy. For five years, I've been fighting it to get it done. Now, we don't know what this woman is, you know, what her deal is, right? Many women get hysterectomies because of um, medical risks of pregnancy. Um, and for all sorts of reasons, which are none of our fucking business. <laughs> and... Um, but a, a, a white dude like came in after and was like, are y'all listening to this? Doesn't this make you angry? Where are all the pro-life people right now? You know, where, by the way, yeah, where are all the pro-life people right now fighting for immigrate, uh, immigrants who are losing their wombs without consent, right? Or at least without informed consent, and then there's this woman who, because of the Franciscan Health Center, you know, needing to give permission, this man after the TikTok is like, how is this possible? Like, this is the patriarchy. Do you see it now? She, a woman has to get permission about a procedure that will only affect her own body, her own future, her own family. And she needs permission from her doctor to do it. And this is this is also Googleable. You can Google that shit. If you've never considered having a hysterectomy, it's not always just like, hey, I have this medical condition. You have to go through all sorts of paces to ever have the permission to get a hysterectomy in a lot of medical systems because of religion, because of, you know, whatever, because of the patriarchy, because at some, at one point you had to have a permission slip to get birth control as well. And you also had to have permission to get an abortion from a man or from your parents at the very least. And these are decisions that must be made by women themselves because it is their bodies, their life, their livelihood, their future. And I am warmly loving um, this new Billie Eilish song. Um, and I can't remember the name of it now. 
but she's in love with her future. You can't wait to meet her. Right? It's like, where is that? Where is that ability to, for, for women to really just choose their own destiny? This is how, you know, patriarchy shows up. And of course, in, 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 a, in the man's world, of course, we see toxic masculinity having to be upheld. We have um, the current inhabitant of the White House laboring his breath on camera. You can see him laboring his breath because he would rather be seen as strong and masculine and resolute than sick and taking care of himself and allowing himself to go through the process of an illness. And that's just the tippy, 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 tippy of the fucking iceberg. So the trappings of patriarchy, the white supremacist patriarchy specifically, are not, they, 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 they care not who you are. They oppress you regardless. Whether you're being silent in order to uphold or you are actually oppressed physically, mentally, spiritually by its levers and machine that it's been built. So the other thing that I wanted to just mention is that I've been watching Lovecraft Country and listening to the accompanying podcast put out by HBO and these two amazing women, one of them who is a writer on the show and another woman who's a writer um, and a podcast host and a um, like just a badass. <laughs> They're both these badass women who are really talking about this show that is so amazing. And if you haven't started watching it, I hope that you can. It, of course, HBO is a privilege of mine provided to me by my phone company, which is really funny. It's free with my data plan for my cell phone. Um, but I really have been enjoying it. It's absolutely um, masterful at creating this horror story around racism in which we see that the monsters aren't just these fucking crazy beasts that live in the woods or whatever, right? It's white people and it's men and it's these ideas that uphold their power and do not distribute it to others at any cost, right? And then what it does to the people who, you know, we internalize these structures. We internalize the racism. We internalize the misogyny so that any feminine part of ourselves um, gets, um, you know, kind of attacked by these ideas. And if you're a person of color, any cultural part of you, you know, you learn to hate yourself. And they even put this in the show very masterfully where one of the characters is basically policing um, people of her own race with the um, idea that you have to be a credit to the race, Right. And so and this is covered in um, a book I'm reading um, called How to Be an Anti-Racist, which is an incredible resource if you're interested in understanding from a black person's perspective what it is to be an anti-racist and how, you know, really we must actually do that in action. That's an act of love. It's what justice looks like. It's what love looks like. It's what democracy looks like it is to is to do these things. And so when we talk about, you know, this waning moon, the patriarchy, what I've been focusing my magic on is the dissolving power of the patriarchy over that power over our cultures, our structures, our governments, 
our hearts, our minds, our spirits, our souls, our ancestors, dissolving, dissolving, dissipating, dissipating, right? No longer feeding it the silence and the lies that it thrives upon. Do not feed silence and lies to the patriarchy. It only gets bigger and stronger and more resolute in its fuckery, right? So calling out those little pieces, being willing to ruin the party. The holidays are coming, you guys. So, yeah. There's a lot of us who are fairly safe and comfortable and, and very capable of reminding others that there are perspectives in this world that we know nothing about because we don't experience that reality as white people, as women, or as men. And so it's really important to consider what that looks like, right? This make America great again statement, my favorite thing is like, you can't make America great again for black people. It was never that great. For a black woman, or even for a woman who could not get her own credit card until 1974, her own mortgage, the right to vote, when, when, are, when are we talking about here? So let's create something new that actually includes everybody and their desires, their priorities, and their collective good. And include everyone in the narrative. Stop acting like gay people don't exist, like LGBTQ plus people don't exist, like trans people don't exist, right? Stop acting like black people are only here for our entertainment and not for actually being at the planning table. Inclusivity looks like having everyone at the table. So the banishing. So I have three thoughts around how to witchcraft this banishing for the waning moon. Banishing self-hatred. I saw something once. Um, it's a meme. It's a I think it's, it was a girl like on a train, a black and white photo. And there was an ad kind of, you know, on the wall next to her on this train. And it said. Now I'm going to butcher it. God damn. In a society where it benefits from your self-hatred, loving yourself is a revolutionary act. Right? And this is the same thing in a lot of ways of saying, like, in a sick society, thriving is not a measure of success. So how do we nurture ourselves and banish self-hatred, right? I know a lot of us are, you know, um, we've heard a lot about affirmations and we say things as if they've already happened, right? So you can do that alongside of this work, right? But that's really waxing moon work. When we let something go, I release, I dissolve my self-hatred. I can see my self-hatred dissolving. Now you might even take that to like a very physical, literal place, right? self-hatred or write I hate myself on a piece of paper a thousand times if you need to depending on how much you hate yourself let yourself cry while you write it write down all the things you hate yourself for just be really fucking honest why do you hate yourself and then do a little bit of reflection around whose voice is that where did those voices come from when do I remember first hating myself for that particular thing that actually makes me kind of a badass probably just saying and then you might set that paper on fire, 
But with that word dissolve, you might also take that paper and put it in a jar of water and stir it every day. You might stir it every day until it becomes pulpy and dissolving. And then you take it out into the garden and you pour it into the earth and you turn that earth into it. And you ask the earth to take that self-hatred and transmute it for you. And you might even take a bulb, daffodils, irises, tulips, crocus. Crocus is great because it's the first, right? Daffodils too. Take a bulb and plant it right where you have that in your yard. And then since it's Halloween each time, right? Samhain, you might make a little gravestone for the patriarchy, for your self-hatred, because that is patriarchy's gift to you. As a woman, as a man who has a feminine side, all of us are affected. As a person of color, it may be that it's my blackness, right? And by the way, like as a human race, we hate our blackness, right? We hate our shadows. It's a, it's, you can go pretty far down those narratives into like this narcissistic way of seeing black people as an agent of shadow throughout religious texts. Fucking ridiculous. But allowing that to, to really put back into the earth in a very physical way. Casting that spell of dissolving, of banishing that self-hatred, dissolving the, the, the power of the patriarchy over me by dismantling these thoughts of self-hatred and giving them back. Return to sender. All right. I love you. I hope that you have a beautiful week. And don't forget, you are powerful as fuck. So act like it. Take care.